If you have a Bible or a device, I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and we're going to be in chapter 2 in just a few moments. The author of this book uh, begins with the words, the words of the teacher, of the assembler. So the author of this book is gathering students around, and he's going to teach them, he's going to preach to them about their life. He's going to speak to us today about our lives as well. And so his sermon, and I encourage you, if you haven't already done so, that you would read through the 12 chapters of this book. It's a 12-chapter sermon. And if you were here last week, uh, we were introduced to the key word and the key phrase in his sermon, the key word being meaningless or hevel, and the key phrase being under the sun. And uh, so, meaningless under the sun. Could we get those words uh, up on the screen there? Just meaningless, there we go. So, meaningless and under the sun. And so, he's speaking to you about your life and my life, and he says, if this is all there is to life, living under the sun, living with all we can see, if there's nothing more, he's describing a secular worldview without God. If this is all there is to your life and my life, then it's all hevel. That's the Hebrew word. It's meaningless. It is, as we heard, it is, uh, that word hevel is a, uh, a vapor of smoke. It's, it's just, it's fleeting. It's, you try to grasp it and you can't get a hold of it. There's, it doesn't make sense. So your life, if this is all there is, really doesn't make any sense. And uh, we ended this, the message last week skipping to the last part of his sermon because the, the whole sermon is basically life without God under the sun is meaningless. But at the end of the sermon, he's speaking to us and he's saying, no, actually, there's more than just what you can see. There is a God, and life is about God. It's not about you. And when you understand that, you realize everything has meaning in your life. So that's what we looked at last week. Today, now in chapter 2, he's going to talk about the specifics of his life. He's going to share with us, here is all the things that I did to bring, to try and receive or to grasp the good life, that my life would have meaning and that I would be happy. God has wired you and me as well to have meaning in our life, to have purpose in our life, to make a difference in our life. He's also wired us to be happy. And so Solomon says, I'm going to take you on this search, this quest for the good life. And he introduces the phrase that we're going to see again and again in this sermon, and it's a chasing after the wind. So I don't anybody chase the wind recently? You're just trying to chase the wind, you're trying to grasp it, never quite get it? Maybe a better metaphor, or another metaphor rather, for us would be chasing carrots. I think we're all familiar with the rider on the donkey, and he's holding out uh, a stick and, with a little dangling carrot, and the, the donkey, to motivate the donkey, the donkey's always just trying to get that carrot, right? And for the donkey, that carrot is just one more step, one more step. That's my reward, I'll get it. Now, I'm not saying that we're all donkeys here, but as we go through life, right? It's just one more step. If I could just get this, then I'll be happy. If I could just do this, then my life will have meaning. So I want to ask you as we begin today, what is it in your life that will bring you 
meaning and happiness? Is it just that home? Is it just that car? Is it just that cottage? Or maybe it's not money and stuff. Maybe it's achievement and fame. If I could just have this business, or I could do this, then people will respect me. People will know me. I'll have worth. Or maybe it's travel and experience. If I could just go here, if I could just experience this. I've got a uh, birthday coming up in a little bit here, not too distant future, and my three kids said, Dad, on your birthday, we're taking you to, and I've got three options. One is skydiving. <laughs> Two is bungee jumping. And three is uh, parasailing. And I told them, uh, none of those things will make me happy. <laughs> I'm not chasing any of those carrots, really. I also told them, you can pay me to do that, and I still won't be happy. But maybe for you, it's just traveling around the world or, or swimming with sharks or climbing Mount Everest, right? Chasing carrots. And it's interesting, or maybe it's a, a, too, a, a relationship. If I could only find this person, or if my family, this could only happen, and we're just constantly going. And what is interesting, young people, for me, is that the carrot that I was chasing in my 20s is a different carrot in my 30s, 40s, 50s. Isn't it, anybody else? You're just, you're, it's just one thing after another. And today, Solomon is going to share from his story. Listen, you can live your whole life chasing after the wind, chasing after carrots, but it's all meaningless. And maybe you're here and you say, well, he wrote that a long time ago. Today, the world's changed. We can maybe find meaning and happiness under the sun without God. Let me just share a few stories uh, before we look at Solomon's stories. story. Tom Brady says this, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? Now, he said this on a 60-minute interview a few years ago, right? He's got how many rings he's got now? Six. He's not getting a seventh because the Bills are winning this year. But right, he talks in that interview about accomplishing his goal, accomplishing his dream. I've got, I've got it, but there's got to be more. There's got to be another carrot out there for me. Uh, Halle Berry said this, an actress, being thought of as a, a beautiful woman has spared me nothing in life. No heartache, no trouble. Love has been difficult. Beauty is essentially meaningless, and it is always transitory. So any of you chasing the, the uh, I just got to get to this weight and look beautiful here, then my life will I'll be happy. Uh, apparently not. Uh, and then Justin Bieber, we all remember Justin Bieber. Well, he used to busk right in Stratford. Then the worldwide stage, got the worldwide city tour going on, fame. Uh, wrote this song, kind of speaking of his rise and when he was younger, said, uh, wrote this. What if you had it all, but nobody to call? Maybe then you'd know me, because I've had everything, but no one's listening. I'm so lonely. And we ask, Justin Bieber is lonely? I mean, there's millions of fans, and I'm sure some of them would pay money just to hang out with him, and he is lonely. And then Jim Carrey, another Canadian uh, actor and comedian, uh, said this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Lots of stories. You can have all of this and still feel like you're missing something. And that's what Solomon is talking about today. 
So let's listen to Solomon's story, and we're going to hear about that constant search for more. And is it possible in my life and your life to actually find meaning and happiness? So Ecclesiastes chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. So come now, I'm going to have you join me on my journey that I took where I was going after the good life. I'm going to do what I want to do. Whatever I want to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to have a good time. I'm just going to enjoy myself. But then he gives us a spoiler alert. Notice, he said, but that also proved to be meaningless. I went after all these things under the sun, but in the end, it's all hevel. It just doesn't make sense. So what did he do? How did he start? Verse 2, laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. So he starts with laughter. I'm an unhappy person. I want to become a happy person. I'm bringing in the comedians. I'm going to entertain myself. That's my first carrot. And so he tries it. Now, is he saying laughter is wrong? Not at all. Laughter is actually good for us. Okay. Um, it reduces. Uh, laughter reduces our stress. It boosts our immune system. And it helps us to fight off depression. Laughter is good. But laughter as an end in itself cannot bring meaning and happiness to you. You can, you can watch every season of The Office and you're still, there's still something more. Well, then he says, I'm going to, I tried wine, tried alcohol. And the idea there, he not only was a connoisseur of the wines, but he says, embracing folly as well. So I started with, you know, embracing the different wines and, you know, had my wine list. And then I tried the whole getting, you know, drunk and, 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 um, uh, and, and, and you know, just going crazy. He still said, no, that is meaningless. Uh, just a word, too, on alcohol. Young people, you can live a full life, a happy life, without drinking. Uh, it is possible. Um, but if you choose, uh, down the road, when you're the right age, you choose to have a glass of wine, that's okay. But you realize the wine, it's a gift. It has a place. It's not an end in itself. Like a lot of people, at least when I was in high school, it was like everybody's working for the weekend, and it was just all about alcohol. But in the end, Solomon says, that's just hevel too. He continues, verse 4, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. Uh, he's he's going to achieve stuff, and he did a lot of stuff in his day. And interesting, this language is uh, from the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden, flourishing trees, and but God was there. Here, God is not in his garden. Notice, I did this, I did that, I built this. It was all about him and his kingdom. Solomon, if you read his life story, walked away from God. And during this time, it was about his kingdom. If you scan the list, you'll find how many times me, myself, and I. It's about me. 
I don't need God, and I'm, and I'm doing these different things. We know from Scripture uh, that life is about God. The Westminster Catechism uh, says it this way, the chief end of man or woman, the chief end of man, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You were made for a relationship with God, and your life is to bring glory to Him. Uh, people look at you and say, what's different about you? Oh, there's a great God and a good God. I have a relationship with Him, and, and I'm enjoying Him. That's what you were made for. But Solomon, with the spirit of the age today, said, no, the chief end of man is to glorify himself and enjoy himself for three score and ten years, right? It's, it's all about me. It's about my kingdom. So Solomon said, I, I, I tried the entertainment and comedy. I tried the, the alcohol. I tried the achievement thing. He goes on. He's going to amass a number of things. Verse 7, I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. So he's walking away from God, getting more people under him to do his bidding, slaves, amassing more money. He was a very wealthy man uh, in that day. Uh, and notice too, he even tried music, right? And he wouldn't just like, oh, guess what, man? I got like six concerts I'm going to this year, going to, you know, Toronto to see these guys and these guys, and oh, life is great. He didn't have to go there. He brought the singers to himself. Come in and sing for me. In addition, he said, I had a harem. That's a lot of women. In First Kings, you can read about he had a lot of women. He walked from God, and, and, and uh, he had women in his life. You talk about sexual liberation, sexual discovery, this is the guy, Solomon, had all that. He continues, verse 15. Or sorry, rather, um, verse 9. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Can you imagine being Solomon? He was living the dream. I was sharing the first service. There's someone in the congregation, and uh, every time I ask him, how you doing? Ah, living the dream, you know, and I, I love it. But here was Solomon living the dream. He had more money than he knew what to do with. Anybody else? Okay. He had more power, more bidding. Do this, get me this, bring this in. He had more pleasure. So if we think, if I just get that carrot, if I just have this, I mean, it was all at his disposal. And he said, notice, he said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. I went for it all. And he said, it's all meaningless. It doesn't make sense. This chasing after stunts, uh, stuff under the wind. He's seeing his life as it really is. And he can't find meaning and happiness. I want to ask you today, if God's not in your life, and you're chasing things. Are you seeing your life as it really is? Solomon said, 
when I really look at it, it's hevel. It's meaningless. Verse 12, then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the, wo- the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise like the fool will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. Is there anything wrong with wisdom? No, it's good as we go through life. All of our decisions have consequences. Good decisions, wise decisions are better than foolish decisions that bring a lot of bad consequences. So wisdom is a good thing. Getting a degree or multiple degrees is a good thing in its proper place. But if that's what you're chasing, if that's what we're chasing, he says at the end of the day, it doesn't add up because the person that made every foolish decision in the book and me who made all these wise decisions, we both die. So like, what's the point of it all? It's all hevel. Verse 17, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Notice he didn't just, he wasn't just disappointed in life, he hated life. Why did he hate it? I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish, yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. And Solomon's like, I'm doing all of this stuff and I'm leaving it. And he had a dysfunctional family and, and it went sideways. Maybe you, you would say, hey, I'm building stuff and I'm going to leave it to my kids and that your kids are going to leave it to somebody, or maybe a war is going to come, and, and there will be nothing of yours anymore. Like, we can think, oh, I'm going to leave it. But in the end, when it's all said and done, we're all going to die, and what's the point of it all? It's all meaningless. It's all heavily. Is, is this the point of it all? Is this all there is to life? It's just living and acquiring and achieving and chasing and striving? Is that it? Verse 22, what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Notice the phrase, anxious striving. Solomon, like, I did all of these things, man, but I'm telling you, it was a lot of work. And it was, I had to strive, and it, you know my striving? I couldn't sleep at night. There were so many things going on in my head and so many things I was trying to put in place, right? And I couldn't quite get it all. I'm striving. If, you have a, if we have a pack-it-all mentality, right? If this life is all there is under the sun, this is it, what you can see, then you too or we too will be like that. Just like, I got to go here. I got to do this. I got to get this. Oh, I can't have this. Come on. And we're ju- it ju- you're just striving after these carrots, striving after these things. Verse 24, 
A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. Wait a second. He says, oh, there is a better way to live. You can have satisfaction in food and drink and your work and your accomplishments. And we're like, wait a second. We've been listening to this sermon quite attentively where you've been telling us everything is meaningless. It's hevel. You can't find satisfaction. And now you're telling me there can be satisfaction? Do you you notice what the difference is there? You see it? This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? Solomon in the sermon says, here is life under the sun without God. And at the end of the sermon, he pulls up the curtain and he says, oh, actually, life is not about you. It's about God and everything has purpose. And along the way in his sermon at times, he lifts the curtain up a bit here for us to see God. He says, actually, there's more than just what you see under the sun. There's a God, and it's from his hand that he gives you the different gifts, food, drink, accomplishments. It's all from his hand. So in other ways, Solomon is saying, there's a better way to live. Instead of striving for stuff where it's you and your kingdom, you're living for God, and you're receiving the gifts from his hand with a grateful heart. Thank you for this relationship. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my company. Thank you for this trip to wherever it is you've just been. It's receiving it from the hand of God. And then notice he says, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? In other words, how can you really enjoy stuff if the giver of the stuff is not in your life? So we stop and ask the question, wait a second, I know a lot of non-Christians who aren't Christians yet, who they seem to be enjoying their boat. They seem to be enjoying their cottage. They seem to be enjoying their big screen TV. Can we enjoy something without having a relationship with the giver? Oh, we can to some extent. But what Solomon's talking here, we can't enjoy the weight of those gifts the glory of those gifts because we're not connected to the giver. Because when we're not connected to the giver, we get these gifts, but they're never fully satisfying because we've got another chair to care to chase because I need meaning in my life. I need to be happy. When I have a relationship with God, he's my greatest treasure. He's my meaning. He's my happiness. I can now take those gifts and like, I've got God, I've got everything, but he's giving me a family or he's giving me, uh, you know, this car. Wow, and I can receive those gifts with a grateful heart. When God is in the picture of your life, when he's in his rightful place, everything else is put in its proper place. Your job, your business, your trips, your relationships, all around God. If there's one thing or a couple things Uh, talking points today, here's one that I hope that you take and actually practice, is you learn to demythologize God's gifts. That you learn to see gifts as they are. That they can't give you what you think they'll give you. They're not an end in themselves. Why? Because you weren't made for just stuff in the here and now. You were made for God. His word tells us you were made by him 
and for him. And until you come to the realization that he's to be first, he's everything, you're going to be chasing carrots. And that's why, parents, it's so important for you to talk about God in your home. Okay, you want to play in the NHL. That's great. Or you want to win a Super Bowl. Or you want this or you want that. That's great. Let's work at it. But that's not what your life is about. Your life is far more important than that. Far, there's such a bigger story going on, and it's God. And so you're teaching your children and talking about God. And then Solomon says this in verse 26, to the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So we can live our lives without God, chasing carrots, but at the end of the day, it's all going back in the box. But if, on the other hand, we chase after God, Jesus said it this way, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, gifts that you, that you need will be added unto you, that God, I'm going after you, that God says, hey, I'm going to give you some happiness. I'm going to give you some knowledge, some wisdom, and then you find yourself that you're not restless, chasing after stuff because you realize that meaning and happiness is not found in a bottle. It's not found in a piece of property. It's not found in a comedy club. It's not found watching Netflix. It's not found in a relationship even. It's found in God. Uh, Augustine, uh, 1,600 years ago, sorry, uh, 1,400 years ago, said it this way, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Have you got to that point in your life where your life is about God? I mentioned the, the octopus illustration. This is something that comes to my mind, but you know the octopus with eight tentacles? How many of us are like trying to find happiness as we go through life, and we've kind of like, we're wrestling that octopus, and we've got five tentacles, but oh, we're missing those three, so we go over to get those three tentacles and hold them, but then two others pop up here. How many in your life, you're like, I'm, I'm almost happy, but you know, if this can happen, and this happen, and you're just, you're, okay, those things happen, but then there's something else. Is there anybody else other than myself? right? That's chasing carrots. That's wrestling an octopus or octopi or whatever you call them. Our hearts are restless until they're in you. C.S. Lewis said it this way, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. In other words, the happiness and meaning that you can't seem to get without God, that's to drive you to God, that you realize, I was made for something so much bigger than what's under the sun. I was made for God and eternity with Him. And all of this stuff, we can have everything this world offers, but if we don't have a relationship with God, it's all hevel. Solomon's a case example, that you can have it all, but that a self-absorbed, self-centered, I'm building this kingdom, it isn't a fulfilling life. And Jesus said it this way, what shall it profit a man or a woman, what shall it profit you if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? 
because you were made for something much bigger than this world. You were made for God. And the challenge for us today is that we live in a culture that's an under-the-sun culture, that's a here and now, live for yourself now. It's all about you. You want to find happy and meaning. You can, happiness and meaning, you'll find it under the sun. But the reality is, no, it's only found in God. David Henderson writes this, and it really is a caution to the church. He writes this, because God no longer occupies center stage, terms like self-love, self-expression, self-confidence, and self-fulfillment, none of which graces, graces the pages of the scriptures, begin to dominate the church's conversation. Meanwhile, other self-words straight from the Bible like self-surrender, self-sacrifice, self-denial, and self-control slip into disuse. Self, great, big, and smack dab in the middle, squeezes out the notions of a holy God, a fallen self, an undeserved gift of grace in Jesus Christ, and a divine call on one's life. When this happens, we may be preaching, we may be sharing faith, but what we are communicating is not genuine Christianity. For Christianity, the one place the self cannot be is at the center. That is the rightful place of God alone. So where are you looking for happiness today? Are you looking to God? And if you're here today and you've never given your life, put your faith in Jesus, God come to us in the person of Jesus, you can go through the rest of your life chasing carrots and you're always going to be missing something. Only God can satisfy. And then if you have done that, I want to ask you, are you seeking to know him better you're trying to more and more, little by little, get to know him better through his word. And oh God, help me to see who you are. Because here's the thing, when you and I, when our eyes are open to the glory of God and we realize he is the giver of all good gifts and I have a relationship with him that's going to last for all eternity, then I start to realize this is too good to be true. He's my greatest treasure. Yes, if I get this gift or that gift, I'll be grateful, but I'm not striving. I'm not missing out if I don't get this or this or this because I've got the giver. And so I'm going to live for him. I'm going to glorify him. Yeah, there's times I'm going to self-sacrifice. Yes, there's times I'm going to deny myself to serve and to help because, because it's all about him. God has a divine call on your life. He's got a purpose for your life, and he wants to be your happiness. I'm going to ask you to stand as we close. Would you join with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the news, the truth, that without you, everything under the sun really is meaningless. There's no point to it all. But Lord, we thank you that you are the one who rules over the sun. You are the one who made us for you, that we would live for your glory and enjoy you forever. So Lord, I lift up someone here today that maybe does not know you, that has never put their faith in your son Jesus, that today you would give them the faith to surrender their life for you and to find their joy, their meaning, their satisfaction in you. I pray that. And then, Lord, for us too, Lord, we confess it's so easy in this culture to chase after things and to be busy just doing stuff for ourselves. Lord, help us to be busy and on purpose for you, that we would live for your glory, that we would do things for your glory. And we pray it in your name we pray. Amen.